I mean, I coach a lot of coaches. That's one of my main jobs is coaching coaches. And I always tell them, you can write down your purpose and tell me what it is, but it's, you're going to show me. It'll be in, in, it'll be demonstrated when I go and watch you coach in a practice on a game. So let's make sure that what, what you're saying matches what, what you're doing. And it's, and it's also a lot of it's, it's how does it feel? And I use this all the time. What's it going to look like, sound like, and feel like? So when you say this is your purpose, or this is the type of environment you want to create, what is it going to look like, sound like, and feel like? And the feeling like one is the one that's sometimes the hardest for coaches, because you can be saying these things and doing these things, but the feeling is just like, no, this isn't true. This is phony. Or this is sincere. This is a sincere coach. This is true. This is who they really are. Uh, and players will see through that and parents will see through it. Welcome to the Coaches Club Podcast, powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. I'm your host, Luke Gromer, and every week we're bringing you conversations with coaches and leaders in sport that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader so that you and your team can reach your potential. Coaches, I'm excited to welcome Coach Mike McKay to the podcast. Coach McKay is the performance manager for Canada Basketball's Women's High Performance. Prior to that, he was the manager for coach education and development for Canada Basketball. In that role, he led development, coordination, and implementation of the Canada Basketball long-term athlete development model. Coach McKay has over 20 years of experience coaching at the high school level in Canada, and he has experience coaching teams from the youth level all the way through national teams. In our conversation today, we talk about knowing and being connected to your purpose, building culture, psychological safety, and ACE feedback. I absolutely loved this conversation with Coach McKay, and I'll be sharing part two of the conversation next week. I'm confident you'll find what he shares to be valuable and applicable to your coaching. If you enjoy the episode and want a copy of the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com or click the link in the show details. Then just drop your email in the form, and you can get instant access to the notes in this episode or any episode. And as a bonus, I'll email you a link to my entire library of coaching notes which contains detailed notes on books like The Culture Code and The Coach's Guide to Teaching. Also, I wanted to give you an exciting update about the podcast. On January 1st, the Coaches Club podcast is becoming the cutting-edge coaching podcast. I'm changing the name of my business to be more aligned with what I'm trying to do, and I think the name better aligns with that. I want to help you guys stay on the cutting edge in your coaching by talking about the topics beyond the X's and O's that are so crucial to our success as coaches. You don't need to do anything different for the update to the podcast. If you're currently subscribed to the podcast on January 1st, you'll see our updated name and cover art wherever you listen to podcasts. And you'll still be able to access and listen to all of our previous episodes. And finally, if you're interested in learning more about what we offer coaches, the book clubs, cohorts, trainings, or the community, just check out the show details for links to learn more about any of those. Now to part one of my conversation with Coach Mike McKay. Enjoy the episode. All right, coaches, really excited to welcome Coach Mike McKay to the podcast today. Coach McKay, I'd love if we could start off by having you talk a little bit about the importance of coaches knowing and being connected to their purpose as a coach. Well, 
if you've probably seen me do any kind of um, clinic or podcast, I'll always get this in there because to me, it's one of the most important things. And that is what I call the context. You need to know your context. And I'm an old math teacher. So my definition of context is who plus why equals what plus how. And if you know math, you do the left side of the equation first. So to me, you need to know who you are coaching and why you are coaching them and why they want to play before you start worrying about the what's in the house. And because I think your problems come from when you start focusing on what's and how's that don't fit the who's and the why's of what you're coaching. And I've been very fortunate. I get to coach from little five-year-olds who are just starting out in what we would call in Canada, you know, fundamental stage right up to working with our senior national team. Uh, so totally different who's and why's. Uh, so it's very, very important that you know that because when you get into the storm of the game or the storm of a tough situation, when it'll really come out what your purpose is. And if your purpose is all about getting wins and you're dealing with little kids and all of a sudden there's a stressful moment, it'll come out and your emotions will get involved and you're going to say something or do something that probably isn't right. because your true purpose is to win this game, but yet the kid's purpose and the parent's purpose was to have fun, get to meet. And especially now for like, uh, we've all the research in, especially for young females, the importance of self-confidence uh, and just self-identity and how important sport is. But if I make my purpose all about winning and I drive players out of the game, I'm not really feeling what my purpose would be at that stage. Flip that around though, I'm dealing with a, a player trying to make a, a junior national team. Well, you know what? It's going to be a little more stressful. It's going to be a little more performance on demand. Uh, so it's very important that you know what your purpose is because it can really get you out of trouble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that example. And, and actually, I think Sefu mentioned that same equation that you used when I talked to him. So helpful to, to think about it in that light. Will well, you tell I mean, me, go ahead. I was just going to say, tell me a little bit more about your journey to finding your purpose as a coach. What was that like for you? Well, I was very fortunate to have great men. First of all, my parents were my biggest influence. My mother was the most competitive. My father was just a caring person, but also was you do things right. So I was very fortunate to have great parents. But then I was also very fortunate in junior high to have a great mentor in my phys ed teacher. And then when I went to high school, I had great mentor coaches also. So I knew right from junior high that I wanted to be a phys ed teacher. And in Canada, really, the only way you can be a professional coach in, say, basketball or sport is, is by being a phys ed teacher. Now, you're not, you know, it's no, it's no clubs or anything. So that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and I was fortunate enough also, one of my first head coaching jobs was a junior high girls team. And I had come from an assistant coach with Acadia University men, and we had lost in the final to Ken Shields, who's a legendary coach in Canada. So I had gone from like the top U sport, highest level of men's basketball in our country as an assistant. And now my first head coaching job is junior high girls. Well, I thought you just did what you did 
And then I realized after about the first day that all these plays that we ran and the dunks that these guys did, and it wasn't going to work. And I was at least good enough to figure out that I better change how I approach this or we're not going to do very well. And it was, it was the best lesson one could ever have to be humbled. But knowing that I had to impact these players' growth and development. And then I've always just really focused on the people and developing players. And I remember Ken Blanchard, who wrote all the one minute manager books, he had something about knowing your purpose and can you write it in a simple statement? And I came up with the idea of teach life lessons through sport. And uh, once I came up with that and I knew that's what my purpose was, it solved so many problems when I had to make a tough decision. So should I play this player or should I, very simple. If it's a teaching a life lesson, I'm going to teach the life lessons first. The win didn't matter. And I'll be honest, we probably won more games after I started being clear on my purpose than I ever did before. That's really good. And just the importance of your purpose driving your behavior. And like you said, oh, there's, there's so many situations that we're in as coaches where you have to make tough decisions. And if you oh. don't have something that's anchoring you, oftentimes we're probably going to make a decision that is maybe in our, our self-interest or maybe isn't actually the best for the people well, we're leading. I mean, I coach a lot of coaches. That's one of my main jobs is coaching coaches. And I always tell them, you can write down your purpose and tell me what it is, but it's, you're going to show me. It'll be, in, in, it'll be demonstrated when I can go and watch you coach in a practice on a game. So let's make sure that what, what you're saying matches what, what you're doing. And it's, and it's also a lot of it's, it's how does it feel? And I use this all the time. Like, what's it going to look like, sound like, and feel like? So when you say this is your purpose or this is the type of environment you want to create, what is it going to look like, sound like, and feel like? And the feeling like one is the one that's sometimes the hardest for coaches. Because you can be saying these things and doing these things, but the feeling is just like, no, this isn't true. This is phony. Or this is sincere. This is a sincere coach. This is true. This is who they really are. Uh, and players will see through that and parents will see through it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You really, you brought that up in terms of what does it feel like in this environment that you're creating? Will you say more about that? And maybe let's say you're working with a coach and you are observing them and they've told you what their purpose is, but then you come back to them and say, Hey, it doesn't feel like your purpose is actually well, coming through. How do you, how do they change that? What needs to change? The, one of the big buzzwords now is this whole idea of being a transformational versus a transactional coach. And a transactional coach is we try to change behavior through reward and punishment, the carrot and the stick, right? So if you do good things, I reward you with more playing time or whatever. If you do bad things, you get punished by less playing time or physical peer pressure punishment, right? And we've all been there. That's how I was coached. But we learn as we grow that it's not sticky. It doesn't stay over the long haul. So a transformational coach is really four things, Luke. One, believe in your athletes. And that's how you inspire them. People will do amazing things when they know you care and they know that you believe in them. The toughest one for that is playing time. So I can say, I believe in you. You're the greatest. And then we get to the game and I never play you. And then I pull out the line. Well, well, next game. 
or said, well, you're only a freshman. You know, when you get to be a sophomore, then you'll really, then it'll be your turn. Well, I would say in the old days when the only game in town was high school basketball or wherever, and there were no other activities, that may have worked. But nowadays, a kid can leave your team and go to another one or another sport. And they probably should if you're if you can't find a way to play players. Now, I would say in our game, in the FIBA game, we're playing a 40 minute game and there's a shot clock. You can't play five players. You just physically can't. And it's actually forced coaches to understand how to play more. But you got to show that you believe in them. The second one is be a role model. And that's pretty simple, right? It's you're saying one thing and doing another or, or, or are you true to your work? The third one is you challenge them to think and you ask them questions and you ask questions that you don't know the answer to. That's the hard one for a lot of coaches. They just ask knowledge questions. But do you ask questions and really listen and really then use some of their suggestions? So one of my favorite questions to ask players is, how can I coach you better right now? And at first, they're going to give you fluff. They're going to give you well, what does he want me to say? And then I'm, I don't want to fly. I want to know what you think I can do to make you better right now. And, and the answers of you listen is amazing, especially with young kids. They know, but we just don't give them that chance. And then the final one is treat everybody as an individual, not as a position, not as a rookie, not as a. So it's not like every guard has to be the same. No, this is Luke. And this is who Luke is. This is his self-identity. This is his anchors. This is his limiting factors. And this is how we're going to use Luke to help our team and to help Luke. And, and I really believe in that, that that's important, that, that that's our job. And, and when, you, when you start to build that type of environment within your program, that's when the wow factor comes. That's when all of a sudden you just see it take off because players are going to take ownership and, and they, they take, not only do they take ownership, they're going to hold each other accountable. Um, during this COVID time, we've had to do a lot of work on diversity. And I'm really enjoying uh, some of the lessons I've learned from some Indigenous friends. And there's something called the Two Wampum Treaty. And it's a treaty between the Mohawk and the Dutch. And what it is, is a wampum belt was a belt. That was designed for trade, but it's a, a white belt with two blue, sorry, it's a blue, a purple, a purple, but then there's two white stripes in it, but they're both going parallel and they represent two ships or boats going in parallel on the water. And the idea behind it is, is we are both heading for the same outcome. We are trying to achieve the same thing. But you be you and I'll be me. We don't have to become like the Dutch to achieve this, or you don't have to become like the Mohawk to achieve this. You can remain, maintain your identity. And as long as we're inspiring for the same outcome, we're going to get there. And I think that is really what a transformational coach is doing. Instead of taking every single player and they've got to fit into this old idea that everybody's going to cut their hair the same and dress exactly the same and say, yes, coach, no coach. And, and, and do everything the same. No, you can have your own identity and be inspired. We believe in you. We treat you as an individual. But the key is we're, we're challenging for the same outcome. 
and we're going to hold each other accountable to get there. And I think that's the, the new direction that we're moving into as coaches. And when you look at any sport, you could tell the coaches that are doing that now. They're letting their players have voices. Uh, it's just not the old, you know, coach going and tell you, do it my way or the highway, because it just doesn't work. You don't inspire them to be the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, so many good things in there. So many practical takeaways too. I love, love the bit about asking questions. And oh. like you said, at the beginning, you ask them questions. They're just going to try to tell you what you want to hear. But if you persist with it and you make it clear to them, I actually want your honest answers and I value them. And then they've got to see you actually take it. Like it can't be, I hear it, but I never make any changes well, with it. That's part of you building a culture. Mm -hmm. And I always say to coaches, the first thing your job is, is to build your culture. Don't worry about your offense and your defense. Get your culture of how you're going to practice. And part of it for me is how we're going to hold each other accountable and how we're going to build commitments to things. And this, this is an old Doug Lemoff thing, which is this ABC debrief. Now we now call it ABCD, but whenever you ask a question, you can agree, build, or challenge. So if you ever come in and work with our national program, I guarantee you, you would hear people saying, can I build on that? So it means they have another thing they want to add, or they'll say, I want to challenge that. And that's awesome. We love challenges, but it's given the athletes and the other coaches a safe environment to do that. And they know that we want it. We, we celebrate the challenges instead of, oh, what do they want me to say? So when you get a, a player at first that gives you a fluffy answer, I'll just tell them, that's a little fluffy. I want you to build on that. Go a little, add to that. And then we've added the letter D, which is go deeper. And deeper means put it in another context. How are you going to apply that next week in the game? Or how's that going to apply when you're in school? Or how's that going to apply when you become a parent, if you decide? Or how's this going to apply in the rest of your life? That's getting them, and now you're really getting them to think. Remember, challenge them to think. So it's a great tool to build your culture. And that just connects back to your purpose too, right? Sure. Going deeper. This is about life lessons. How can we apply sure. this to your life? I love that. But one of the other questions I had or, or things I wanted to talk about, and you started to mention it there, was the importance of essentially psychological safety. I saw you shared a quote from, Timothy Clark's book, The Four Stages of Psychological Safety, yeah. and the quote said, the leader's task is to simultaneously increase intellectual friction and decrease social friction. Will you expound on that quote and talk about how coaches can do that? Well, the first thing that, again, that I try to promote within our environment with our women's high performance is, and I've did this with my teams all along, is truth, truth to power and truth over harmony with caring and candor. So truth to power is you have to be able to speak your truth to the coach. I have to be able to speak my truth to my boss, right? And my truth is what I see or heard. It's not what I think you think. I think where a lot of coaches get into trouble is, is where they'll say things like, well, I heard this and it, and I think you don't like me, or I think that you don't care. Or I think that 
you can't know what someone else is thinking, but you can say, I saw you after you scored your layup, walk back on defense to the other side of half. End of story. I don't have to say, I don't have to say anything else to the kid. I don't have to add in. So I think you don't care. I think you're lazy. Just this is what I saw, or this is what I heard. Now I can say it makes me feel that I'm questioning some things here. I, I just got this feeling of I'm not sure. You need to help me here. So again, teaching players to be able to speak truth to power. And then truth over harmony is. Canadians, we have a reputation for being nice, too nice. And it's, it's, a, it's a generality, but it's sometimes true. And what I try to tell our coaches is we have to be more direct. So if you listen to coach, and I do a lot of taping of coaches. We tape everybody when they video. And we look at the type of feedback. Well, good job. Way to go. Good job. Way to go. We're, we're, we're just nice, general, positive feedback. And there's a, a gentleman, I can't remember his name right now, but he talks about a feedback sandwich where, you know, there's a loaf of bread on the top or a piece of bread on top, the meat, and then the bread on the bottom. Well, how thick is the bread? Some of these coaches, our bread is so thick with positive, and then the meat is just like a little tiny thin layer of what the athlete needs to know. Then we finish with some positive too. So they don't even know what the, what the feedback was on. So being able to be direct but being a direct, what we call it with an assurance. And that's why I, I, I use the example of my mother. I think my mother was the best example of this because I, I think I was joking with you earlier, but she'd say, Michael. And again, she used my name, Michael. That man, I knew I was getting direct feedback. Michael, I know you can do this and I expect you can do it because you've been raised to do that. Well, that was it. Like that's all she had to say. And I was... She got right. She didn't go into a whole lot of at the start. She just get right to point. You were supposed to have your homework done and uh, you've been raised to do that. And I expect you can do it. You know how to do your homework. I expect you get it done next time. Yep. It'll be done because, but that's what you're trying to do is. So we give direct feedback with an assurance, not with you stupid. So-and-so how come you're not getting this done? That's demeaning. I don't know how anybody expects that's going to motivate someone. So that's why we want to be challenging on the intellectual thing. I want our assistant coaches to challenge every single idea that we have for, for practice, but knowing when to do it okay, and how to do it, do it with Karen and candor. And, but then on the social side, we still want to have that social cohesion. We don't want to be tearing each other apart in how we do it. So it's always, there's a Colin Powell. I always liked his definition of loyalty, which was when we're in the, in the meeting or talking about practice, that's where that intellectual challenge happens. Challenge everything. But when we decide now as a team, how we're going to go out there and practice as a coach, we're not, we're not arguing out there and we're not going to have the meeting after the meeting. Where we go, oh, I didn't really agree with that. I never agree with that. Our offense, like, I don't know why he's doing that. We're going to lose. Coach keeps running that. That's not how you do it. But there's a lot of that meeting after the meeting uh, that will happen if you, if you don't have that true type of loyalty. 
you know, there's the false loyalty, which is where a head coach will say, you guys got to be loyalty. Loyalty is my number one. And a head coach is doing wrong, the wrong things ethically, just technically, tactically. And, and then no one's supposed to say anything. Uh, I call that the, now you may not be old enough to remember the old Bob Newhart show, but the old Bob Newhart show, there was the, these guys would come in from the, the mountains and they were, um, the guy would come in and say, I'm Larry. And this is my brother, Daryl, my other brother, Daryl. Well, the brother Daryl's never talked, never talked the whole sh series. And that's what some head coaches want for an assistant coaches, two brother Daryl's who just nod their head. And whenever he says something, they're loyal. I don't want brother Daryl's. We want a whole bunch of people that are willing to speak their mind again, truth to power and truth over harmony with caring and candor. So that's kind of that psychological safety. You want to create that environment that players, coaches, everyone has that safety to challenge the ideas in the right way, but also do it with caring and candor. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. Good examples too there. And love the example from the show. Not old enough, didn't experience the show, but I got just, the picture. That was a great just, example. Just go to YouTube, go to YouTube and just put uh, uh Brother Daryl and other brother Daryl, Bob Newhart show, all kinds of clips, and you'll I'll get have it. To. You'll get it right away. I love it. it. One of the things you mentioned in there was about feedback, and when you record coaches and some of the coaching you have for them with their feedback, and I'd love for you to talk more about that—the importance of coaches moving from general to specific in their communication. Well. In our coach education, we talk a lot about ACE. So I have way too many acronyms. It just helps me remember things. But ACE stands for, are you giving feedback for appreciation? C is, are you giving coaching feedback? And E, are you giving evaluative feedback? So, and, and, and you got to make sure your feedback matches the context or the situation that you're Okay. So appreciation is, is just thanking. Hey, I really want to thank you for that. Uh, or, hey, thanks for going and picking up the balls over there. That's really made it easier for me at the end of practice. Hey, I really appreciate you uh, helping out your teammate there. Right? He was struggling. You, I saw what you did. That's, I really appreciate that. That's so helpful to our team. Because picture, you've got a player who's just not feeling appreciated. Right? And then you come in and give them a value to feedback, which is, I want you to understand, you know, you're like, you're the, you're the last player on this team right now. And if you don't pick up your bootstraps, you're off this team. Well, that may just be the feedback that throw, they'd quit because they're just, but if you come in and said, your effort matters and I appreciate all that you're doing. Well, that may be just the thing that can change that players. So you've got to be able to be in tune to, which feedback, okay? We all have a default. My default is always coaching. Now in coaching, there's two types that I will say. There's, there's prescriptive coaching. In other words, I'm gonna give you feedback. This is what I need to see next time. Or there's descriptive coaching as, this is what I just saw. Okay. Aviative is, as I said, it's letting the player know where they stand or it's, where do we rate ourselves on our intensity right now on a scale of one to 10? How do you think we're doing on this? 
where do you think we are on shot quality? How was, how was the quality of that shot? So again, it's understanding which type of feedback you're giving and the more can be specific and immediate rather than delayed in general. So the attaboy, way, good job. Oh, you're, okay. And put a name on it too. So we try to say, put a name on it and describe it. What is it that we're trying to actually happen? And then you can also start to get players to, to do it. So you start to give players to show appreciation, to coach each other and to evaluate each other. Right. So that's how you're teaching them to take ownership. Yeah, that's really good. That's a helpful framework. I'm even just thinking about, you know, what's my default that I'm going to, I think that video I, yourself. yeah, yeah. I, and I have some, I need to go back and start watching and some more of the will, video I have of myself. Yeah. You will figure it out real fast. And you'll be- I, yeah, that, but the uh, things like that are, like you said, teaching that to your players too. It's just, it gives them a framework for sure communicating with you as the coach and with each other. And I think in a lot of situations, it's probably going to make them feel more confident to communicate. I know that sure. as a coach, sure. it's going to make me more confident in my feedback if I understand these different things. And so, yeah, I think it's powerful, not only for coaches, but then to, to consider how can we use this with our athletes and get them so to a, do the same. I saw a tweet the other day. I responded to it because sometimes I don't want to get too negative, but it was basically challenging that you can't learn to coach in a classroom. And, and I agree that there's no question experience is the best learner or best teacher. But I've always said that there's two coaches, and I always talk about this when I do a course. There's two coaches. There's the one coach who's coached for 10 years, but he's just repeated the same thing every year. There's the other coach who every year he's reflected and learned something new, and he's taught 10 different ways. Well, I will take the one who's reflected and grown than the one who just goes in and coaches by experience and self-organized and does the same thing all the time. And to me, it's, it's the, no question, learning by experience is the best, but it's the books you read or the people that you meet or the classes you take is where you get these ideas or these foundational framework things. Oh, I'm going to go try that. Now you decide in your experience how it works for you because no one's going to be exactly the same, but there are some tried and true concepts that are better. And it wouldn't be better if you could take that shortcut instead of trying to learn by experience because you don't have enough time in your lifetime to try everything on your own to figure it out. You just don't, you don't have, and there's sometimes you don't get a second chance, especially in today's environment. You do the wrong thing once and it's caught on a cell phone, your career may be done. And that's, that's wrong. If you could have taken some advice or learned something in a class or from someone and, and learned how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the importance of learning and reflecting, it just can't be understated. It's it's the best learning. No question. But you have to train yourself to do it. It's not just something that people naturally do, right? It's uncomfortable too. To to go deep, to go deep it is. And to get others. others. Examine and have have the humility to admit, man, I'm terrible at this right now. Or man, I really have to improve in this area. It's huge. That 
it's so important, but we want our athletes to do it. So we have to do it too. When I ask coaches to video themselves, they're scared to death to do it at first. And they'll always tell me, oh, it's the worst thing I've ever had to do. But after they've done it a few times, they're like, this is how I get better. But it's the same with players. Once first time players watch themselves, like, oh, I can't believe I look like that. Oh, did I really do that? But then after they start watching it and get good at it, they understand how important it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, re- it relates to, I mean, if you saw Jonas's interview where he talked about the past, the present, and the future, it's that humility, right, of the, and being humble in the present, I think is so powerful. That was a power, powerful, powerful statement by him, and I think it applies to a lot more than just basketball. Coaches, thanks for listening to this episode, and thanks again to Coach McKay for coming on the podcast. I'll be sharing the rest of our conversation next week. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want a copy of the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com or just click the link in the show details. There were so many good nuggets that Coach McKay shared today, but I'll leave you with just one final takeaway. Do our behaviors line up with our purpose? I love the questions Coach McKay asked. What's it going to look like, sound like, and feel like in the environment we create? What is your ideal response to those questions? How close are you to that ideal in your coaching? What changes do we need to make to more closely align our behaviors with our purpose and get answers to those three questions that line up with that purpose? And don't forget what Coach McKay shared. Our very first job as a coach is to build the culture. We've got to get that right. Like I mentioned in the intro, if you want to learn more about how we support coaches, just check out the links in the show details. Thanks for listening to the Coaches Club podcast powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. 